Welcome to Cool Mom 101 with Emily Kylo. Every week, she's bringing inspiring guests to help you embrace motherhood the cool mom way. Emily knows firsthand being a mom is hard AF, but she's passionate that doesn't need to be the end of the story. Shift your perspective on what it means to be a mom while learning practical tips and mom hacks you can use right away. Stay you while nailing the mom game. That's what being a cool mom is all about. Class is now in session. Here's your host, Emily Kylo. Hello, hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to Cool Mom 101. I'm your host, Emily Kylo. Thank you so much for tuning in, sending you so much love. So today I have Jillian Wone, who is a registered acupuncturist and mama of two. She is just such a beautiful soul and has such a calming and light energy about her. Uh, She's such a healer through and through. You can totally understand why she is an amazing acupuncturist. And before I get to what we talked about, I wanted to touch on the fact that it is World Mental Health Day on October 10th. And I think it's really important to talk about this subject because either, you know, you've dealt with it, your best friend, your partner, It's something that really affects our community at large so frequently, and I just want you to know that I see you, I love you, and I'm here for you if you are experiencing anything. So this is a perfect time to talk about this because Jillian, as an acupuncturist, um, is someone who really can support you in your journey to wellness and can support with mental health concerns. So traditional Chinese medicine has long been touted as a healing modality for mental health. So that just fits in perfectly there. So episode 41, we are chatting Jillian's journey with wellness and how she got into acupuncture. We chat acupuncture 101, so what it is and what it can really help with. We also touch on period misconceptions and how you can help to alleviate symptoms. We touch on acupuncture treatments for preconception, pregnancy, and postpartum. We also talk about the seasons of motherhood and how to embrace them and roll with them and how they are bittersweet. And lastly, we talk about postpartum support and healing, and she gives amazing specific tips on how to help mamas who are, you know, have recently given birth. So I hope you really enjoy this episode. Jillian gives such amazing information and yeah, it was great chatting with her and I learned a lot of new things. So let's get to it. Here's episode 41 with Jillian Wone. So welcome to the show, Jillian. Thank you so much for being here. I'm very excited to be here. Yay. Okay, we're going to jump right into the mom fashions. Are you feeling ready? For the mom, yes. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, yeah, yeah. What's the best part of being a mom? For me, so far, it has been watching their unique personalities unfold. Like, when they're born, they're just just such a blank slate and now they're getting well my son's eight but they have preferences and they're so unique and just seeing all of their little quirks as humans is pretty neat very cool 
And you're, you're further into this than me. And I, I love hearing that because I'm already starting to experience some of that. Leo is almost two and you know, you already can see so many parts of their personality, but I'm excited for it to continue to to kind of grow and when they can really voice certain opinions. I've talked to moms, they're like, yeah, now the kid's five and they'll, you know, they'll tell you exactly how they feel about something, <laughs> which is good. <laughs> and they start coming out with really interesting things. My daughter, we've been reading chapter books and my daughter's four. And so she gets really tired. So she doesn't always want to stare at the page of words. And so she'll lay down and she'll be like, please alert me if there's any pictures. <laughs> Just alert. Alert, just alert me. <laughs> oh, I love that. That is so cute. So switching gears, what's the hardest lesson you've learned so far as a mom? Oh, I think, I mean, it's always in the realm of, of not actually having control. I think when you're pregnant, you have so much control over what you ingest and, and how much sleep you get and everything else. And then when you're not pregnant anymore, they're just they're out on their own and, and the older they get, the more faith you have to have in the decisions that they make. And that's really, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's also the best part about being a mom. Like you get to see their personalities unfold, but you also, yeah, knowing that safety isn't something that you can control for them all the time is, it's a tough one. Totally. And I'm sure something like you said, you keep learning. It's like different phases <laughs> and it keeps coming up in different ways. I'm sure. <laughs> So as a busy mom of two, I would love to hear what is a daily ritual, maybe something that you like to do every day that helps keep you grounded and keeps that part of you really alive. Oh, um, so for me personally, as soon as my kids are in their room and not necessarily asleep, but when I'm off. I pull up my mat and I do online yoga. I use aloe moves. And if I'm super tired, I'll do like a yin stretchy class. Um, and then if I have a bit of energy, I'll do a longer flow or power. And I think just connecting to movement has kept me calm in so, so many circumstances. And yeah, like the more flexible I am in my body, I think the more flexible I am in life. Love that. What are you most grateful for in your life right now? Oh, most definitely my community. Um, my husband and I are both really close with our families and I have a great group of girlfriends and also where we live, we, our neighbors are in a really small space and I, yeah, just like everybody is so, so awesome. And I'm really lucky that these are the relationships that my children see that we have as adults because I think it's a great example. Like they're just, yeah, we have really lovely friends. You all like attracts like, and you are lovely and that's, that's how it goes. But it is, it's nice to appreciate that because I think it can be sometimes easy to take those relationships for granted you know, I have friendships, like I'm sure you do, that I've had for now, like over 25 years, some of them, and it's, they're amazing and beautiful, and you got to keep, keep on top of being appreciative of them and growing with them. Yeah, I am, um, I think I can easily get overwhelmed by what my days hold, and so something that I'm really working on is maintaining those connections, that's a challenge for me, but 
I, yeah, it's so important. Absolutely. What is your why for your life? So what really propels you and gets you excited when you wake up in the morning and keeps you nourishing those community connections that you spoke about? What's your why? So I feel like as women, there's, there's some things that we sometimes have to work through to get to the place where we can contribute our passions. And so mine, my why is like being a catalyst for and also assisting women and girls to reach their potential and the things that they are totally available to do by kind of getting rid of the things that inhibit them. Mm. Um, yeah, we, I think as women, we really, really grind things out sometimes. And I think we deserve more fun and more simplicity in our lives too. Like we're, we always have this like running to-do list in our heads and yeah, if things were just a little bit more simple and we didn't have to worry about those period pains or this chronic back pain or the anxiety that comes back every spring, like we'd have more freedom to contribute in the ways that we're able to. And that really inspires me because I think this world needs women. I think it needs just more women. <laughs> I'm with you a hundred percent. And it needs the women like you touched on that have worked on the healing themselves, then they are able to help others that way. And like you said, if they're focused, which understandably, if you have a lot of energy that you have to expend on dealing with physical pain, um, mental health concerns, any of those things, it takes away from what you're able to contribute. I love yeah. that. And sometimes I feel like sometimes that's a little bit imbalanced and that I think of women take a lot of that and yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of this idea that, and I think it still exists that you do have to take care of everything yourself and all at once. I definitely think that that's still a bit of a narrative and a pressure in society. So then when you become a mom, you're not only potentially trying to take care of your partner or feel pressure to do that. But now you have, you know, other people that you're responsible for. And then you still have yourself, your community. Women are often responsible for the social aspect of the family. So it, it can be a lot. It can be a really a lot. <laughs> Emotional labor adds, adds to things. But. Well, yes, absolutely. So I wanted to get right into how you got into wellness. So what has been your kind of journey with that and how did you get to where you are now? So growing up, um, my dad was a type one diabetic. And so I think it was really, really apparent to me that our everyday actions can really affect our health. And how we eat and if we exercise or not and how long we sleep for, especially for type one diabetics, it can have a really big outcome on how they feel every day. And um, yeah, so after high school, I got more interested in, in alternative healthcare and I moved to Vancouver and I became an RMT. And then after practicing for five years, I was like, I feel like I want more tools in my toolbox. And um, I read a book about traditional Chinese medicine and it just 
it resonated with me. It was like this medicine that looked at the entire system and the interplay of different organ systems and how, yeah, how an imbalance can affect throughout the body and how you can actually correct that in a really subtle way. Very cool. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of traditional Chinese medicine. And I think I haven't obviously gone your route and I'm not practicing it in that way, but I think it resonated with me on that similar level in that I really like the holistic approach. And then I also really like the fact that it takes into consideration your emotions as well and how those things play off each other. I think sometimes the physical and the kind of emotional aren't always seen as connected, but they of course are. So I always thought that was really fascinating. Yeah. And it's, um, the emotional aspect is also like really deeply connected with every organ system. And I think different aspects of our emotions, like the heart is really connected to happiness and yeah. And like your lungs are connected to grief. And I think that each, like, it's not just like emotions are, you know, balanced with one organ system. It's like your entire body that is affected by those emotions. I think that's beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. So for anyone who's listening who has never really heard of traditional Chinese medicine and maybe hasn't got into these types of modalities, I would love for you to tell us real basics here what acupuncture is and what it is great for. So what can it help treating? All right. So in a very, very simple sense, acupuncture is sterile, hair thin, and single use needles that are placed at specific points around the body based on a diagnosis that your TCM practitioner or acupuncturist has made. Um, And I think the magic in this, I mean, it's not magic. It's thousands of years of observing human bodies. Um, is that it's like electricity. If you think of the energy in your body like electricity, you can't necessarily see electricity, but if electricity isn't flowing in a house, you know it, the lights don't turn on, your stove doesn't start. And so Chinese medicine diagnoses where our electricity isn't really flowing or conversely, if it's flowing too much to some places, and that's what the acupuncture does. In those specific acupoints based on your constitution, it either makes the flow regular or it increases it if there's not enough or it decreases it if there's too much in some places. Wow, that is so cool. I don't think I've ever heard it explained like that. And I really liked that analogy and visual you used that really helped me. And also I never knew that there could be too much as well. Makes sense. But I think I always thought of it in terms of you're trying to get the flow more. So that's really interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So usually that will manifest in like um, tachycardia, which is like a rapid heart rate. That's That's just too much energy going to your heart. And there's an imbalance somewhere else. And that could be a deficiency or not. Um, But that's definitely an example of something that's just too much. Or if your temperature is always really, really hot, generally more for men, that's an excess situation. I think women, we tend to run cooler. (laughs) But yeah, like there's definitely situations in which you're like, oh, there's 
there's too much energy here. Let's right. read it. Totally. Yeah. And it's <laughs> funny though, cause you think, oh, well, isn't a, more energy is good, but that's not always the case. More oh. is not always better. <laughs> oh, see, this is, this is, I think our Western mindset is that more isn't always better. Balance is best is that what our body is naturally wanting to do is create balance. And that, that is what's optimal. Absolutely. So thinking about women's health issues um, and things that come up a lot for, for women, something that I've started to learn a lot about in my, you know, adult years is periods. So I know that's something that traditional Chinese medicine can be really great at assisting with. So I'd love to hear about that and how um, acupuncture can support. Yeah, so there's, I think that there's a misconception right now that periods are something that we kind of have to suffer through or, you know, they should be somewhat uncomfortable. Um, I think rest during your cycle, during your period is really important, but for the most part in a healthy body, periods should be, you know, fairly easy. They shouldn't be really, really heavy. It shouldn't be like changing a pad or a tampon every hour. It should be relatively pain-free. Like maybe you feel a little bit of heat and discomfort, but it shouldn't be like you can't get out of bed. That's not, right. there's a reason for that. And yeah, Chinese medicine can diagnose that. And it's kind of that same electricity thing. It's helped regulate the energy that is in your body so that that period can be a little bit easier for you. Mm -hmm. Wow. And then looking at something, some things um, that you can work on for women. So women who are thinking about getting pregnant or, you know, going that way. So in that preconception period, why do you think it's important to look at things like your period and trying, like you said, create some balance and things like indigest or digestion issues as well. Why do you think that that's important in the preconception period to focus on? So creating a human is just a massive undertaking. Like it, it takes all the resources that your body has. It takes every system of your body working together. And it also takes a lot of balance between those systems. So something I see pretty frequently is um, women who have been on the birth control pill for a number of years and then are in a relationship where they're wanting to get pregnant. So they discontinue the pill and in the next three months or so, they start trying to conceive, which, I mean, as far as what the box says, that's technically what can happen, but the birth control pill actually suppresses your natural formation of estrogen and progesterone. And so when you stop taking the pill, it's like starting a machine up. And if you have been on the birth control pill since you were a teenager, because frequently doctors prescribe it to regulate periods, which doesn't regulate it, it just makes it so that you're bleeding at the same time, but that's an arbitrary number of days. Yeah. And the thing that I've learned too a bit, and this isn't for everyone, of course, but it can mask symptoms. So it can, like you said, they go in thinking, oh, great, we'll go on the you know pill and it will get rid of my cramps. But then you don't really know why you had those cramps to begin with. And so then it's just covered it up. And then they go off, women go off the pill and then realize they have endometriosis or something like that, that 
you know, could have potentially been looked at before, but I digress. Definitely. Yeah. And I think that especially for, um, when you put teenagers on the pill, a lot of people think that like, I mean, we get our periods around 12, 13, 14, but it takes a few years for your hormones to actually, I mean, you're also going through puberty at this time. Yeah. It takes years for your hormones to regulate. And sometimes your periods are going to be irregular and sometimes some will be more painful. And that's also something that acupuncture and Chinese medicine can support, but it's not actually a pathology. That's just our bodies becoming adults. Right. Yeah. Very um, interesting. I also really wanted to know, so we talked a little bit about preconception and why it's important to make sure that the systems that you have are functioning at the best level. Cause like you were saying, it takes, you know, every system in your body to create this, create this little human. And I was curious to hear what acupuncture can help for. So in that next phase, what is acupuncture good for in terms of pregnancy? So how can we help the, help the pregnant women? <laughs> yeah. So one of the things, um, kind of in this vein is, Digestion, I mean, definitely for when you are pregnant, but also pre-pregnancy, um, your body needs all it can from the food that you're eating and always the best of that is going to go to your baby. Mm. So I think we both know it's a bit of a marathon, right? <laughs> after you deliver, your body's healing, you're trying to get it, like, figure out your schedule with taking care of a little person and you're waking up and your sleep is irregular. And so you really don't want to start that marathon from a place where you've already given your best away. So if your digestion is optimal while you're pregnant, then your body is actually much more able to heal when you finally do deliver. Mm. Um, and then my favorite thing to say too, is that if you have digestive support before pregnancy, morning sickness is not the same. And I feel like so many women suffer with morning sickness and it's really debilitating if it is something that you suffer from because yeah, I mean, you're sick in the middle of the day in public sometimes and nobody knows you're pregnant because you don't look pregnant and it's just really uncomfortable and it makes your days really difficult. Well, and speaking about nutrition, depending on the severity, I have known people who are actually, you know, vomiting a lot. And I mean, how, how hard would it be to make sure you're getting proper nutrition if every time you turn around, it's coming back up? <laughs> like, I think that would make it really hard too. Yeah. So that's hypermesis gravidarum. That's like a really, really intense form of morning sickness. And oh my gosh, my heart goes out to women who suffer from that because it is, it, that's exactly it. Frequently you have to be hospitalized because you have to have an IV. You have to be able to like keep fluids in your body. And it, that's, that's really tough for women. Even me. So I had morning sickness just for the first 12 weeks mm. and it was almost clockwork after 12 weeks, it was gone. So I was even grateful for that. Now, if I do it again, I think I'll know, I know more things to prepare for. Um, like we were talking about, but even for me, I found it hard to eat the way I usually was. So I was eating not the best things. Like I felt like I just wanted to eat bagels because it was just very plain and carby. <laughs> That's not a lot of nutrients either. So I think even if you aren't getting physically ill, just because I felt so nauseous all the time, I really just wanted plain bread essentially, which, you know, not a lot of nutrients there. So <laughs> those sugars your body can possibly absorb. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
my best ideas for morning sickness is small amounts of protein as frequently as you can stomach. If you keep a little bit of protein in your stomach, then it you don't get that huge swing to where you actually get really sick and then possibly throw up. Protein is key, which is, I think, kind of unfair because nobody, like, I feel like across the board talking to women about this, everybody just wants simple carbs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, give me a, give me that chicken breast. Like, no thanks. But yeah, no, that's a good tip though, to try and keep it kind of a little more stable. That makes a lot of sense. Nice uh, something else I really wanted to talk to you about, uh, and I know we talked about this, but is how in motherhood there really are seasons that go along with it and I'm sure you've been through many seasons now that you have an eight-year-old and I think it's important to talk about because not everything lasts forever and you know you know you do hear that but I think there's something to really understanding those different seasons and I would love to hear your take on that. All right. So I think um, the saying like the days are long, but the years are short is it's just so true because I feel like the second time around, like I've been able to notice the patterns that happen with two kiddos and and you're kind of seeing the next one starting. You're like, oh, I remember this because I think as soon as we're done a pattern, it's so easy to forget because we're on to the next thing and we're, we're managing um, and I feel like, well, what is one of the more recent ones? My, my daughter does not like going to sleep by herself. And I feel like you get to a point some nights where you're just like, I need for you to go to sleep. And I can't, I, I almost can't stand this anymore. And you like switch off, the other parent goes in. And I think that as soon as you get to that point, and almost right when you find a way to move forward through it, something shifts and something changes. And then it's something new. And I think this is kind of where the bittersweet aspect of parenting comes in is that change is just always so consistent, like consistent, ironically. No, it is. (laughs) The one thing that you can rely on, you know, it's going to always be there is the change. (laughs) The things like the things that are hard to stand, but then also the really good things, you know, you know, that this is like, this isn't going to last. So I need to sit. Mm -hmm. Like I remember someone posted something that really kind of struck me that I hadn't thought about is that you never know when it's going to be the last time you do something with as your kids are growing I I know it's actually and it just reminded me because as you were talking because you don't know the last time you're going to have to help them brush their teeth or pick them up even you know there comes a point where you do not pick your children up anymore right? And we've been sitting, I I don't know about you, but I remember times when the the baby was very tiny and my kid only wanted to be held and my arms are, you know, going to fall, felt like they're going to fall off. They don't, but you just want to put the freaking kid down. And then you realize that at some point you won't pick them up at all. It's so it is, it is bittersweet. It's funny my eight-year-old like when he has when he has big feelings these days I usually like immediately sit down so that when he sits on my lap because he's sitting yeah he's 60 pounds like he's a large human at this point (laughs) yeah Yeah. you're prepared you're like okay not picking you up but I'll sit right (laughs) here you can still cuddle (laughs) I will cuddle and yeah until they will not have me anymore my kid is not the 
not really a cuddler and neither is my partner and I am. So I don't know what's like why this is happening to me. Um, <laughs> so I joke that if I have another one really manifesting that they're cuddly because that would just, that would just be great for me. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> so another thing that I really feel is important to keep talking about as, as mothers and especially yourself as a healer is postpartum support and how we can better support moms and things that they should know beforehand to set themselves up for success. So I'd love to hear kind of any tips you have for postpartum period and yeah, what women can do and how we can support them. Oh, wow. So I think, and I know everybody says this, but there's a reason that everybody says this. So I'm going to start here. I'm also a person that really likes a clean kitchen. And so I'm not always the best um, person to take this advice, but sleep. If you can get sleep, get sleep. And I most definitely did this better with my second, but everything in life is easier if you are somewhat well-rested. And yeah, and I know sometimes it feels like you can't sleep, but even just laying down by yourself without a baby on your body for 30 minutes is really, really important. Um, also food. We've done a few meal trains for friends who've had kids. And that's essentially where like when the mom is pregnant, um, they get together an email list of like close friends in their community. And then I like to think that the mom doesn't have to send it out, but like a friend sends it out and says, hey, you know what? They had their baby. These are their dietary preferences. If you can drop food off at their door um, at a certain time, and then they'll let you know when to come and pick up because the, the containers because you don't you really don't need more visitors and you don't need to entertain and you do need to eat so I think meal train is brilliant um, kind of on that food thought in Chinese medicine in the postpartum period you are that I think this is so brilliant so you are the most vulnerable that you will ever be in your life physically but it's also an opportunity where you can strengthen your constitution to like even stronger than it was before if you take care of yourself properly. And I think this is just the neatest thing. Um, so you want to eat like a lot of congees or like grain porridges, but with also protein and good fats in them and greens. Um, one of my favorite um, books for this, it's called The First 40 Days. The Essential Art of Nourishing the New Mother. Oh, um, it's written by a woman named Hung O, and that's H-E-N-G-O-U. Um, and it is such a resource. Like she talks about um, before you have your baby, like essentially around birth, and then she breaks it down into up to 40 days, which is the um, Chinese medicine basis of like sitting after you deliver. Um, and you can do a lot of just like home things to keep your digestion really well. So obviously that warm and like moist food, um, don't eat anything icy or drink cold water, like nothing cold. If you can stay inside and keep your body away from like outside wind and drafts. So that also means when you have a shower, don't let yourself get cold after your shower because that cold can like seep into your body. Um, 
black sesame is really, really tonifying to the kidney and your kidney is what um, puts out a lot of work, especially during labor and delivery. Um, and then there's always like chicken soup and ginger, just like put ginger in everything because it warms all the you. Ginger. And you all the ginger. Um, <laughs> yeah, like goji berries, all of that good stuff. I love um, it. I think, the, I think the nutrition after, well, I think for me, I essentially ignored the postpartum period I until I was in it and then it hits you like a ton of bricks. So I think preparing as much of these things ahead of time is really key. <laughs> when, it, when you're in it, it's not the time to start thinking about what you might want to eat, like you were talking about nutrition. Like whatever you can prepare before, and the meal train idea is like gold. I love that idea. I'm like, why did that, why did that not happen? I need that next time. <laughs> um, also, a couple of my like personal tricks. I always kept a water, like one liter or more of water, at my bedside table, and a banana and a granola bar because. If you are nursing, like in the middle of the night, you're nursing and you're like, I'm so hungry, I'm shaky, I need to do something about this. Um, and then also, if you notice that you're actually using too much energy after the baby, so your postpartum bleeding is called lochia, and it should stay for around three weeks and get progressively lighter. If you overexert yourself, you'll actually notice it will get heavier. And I think that's a really good indicator because you should stay inside and you should stay still and really just try to sleep and take care of your baby. But if you notice that get heavier, it's like, oh, take a step back because you need more rest. Yes, that is such a good pointer. I will say one thing I did do right is that I, because I'm a very active person and I kind of made the promise to myself that I wasn't going to do any exercise or activity for a month. I was like, don't even think about it. And I think I'm, I was very glad that I at least did that and made that promise to myself because it is, you need to heal your body. And if I would have been focused on, you know, trying to quote unquote bounce back, then I probably would have been trying to work out three weeks in. And that just, I mean, wouldn't have sat right with me. That's for sure. <laughs> the season thing too that's not the season to bounce back that is the season to nourish yourself there is a season to bounce back and there's definitely a season for like postpartum exercise for sure but definitely the first 40 days is not that season <laughs> not, not your time honey <laughs> oh my goodness so before we get to the lightning round I wanted to take a moment to acknowledge you Jill for your amazing spirit and energy are very calming, which I'm sure all of your patients who come see you love. And mm -hmm. just for being a real healer and a real champion for women. So I'm very grateful to you. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, lightning round. Let's do it. Favorite book. Okay. Oh, so favorite book of the last year that I've read is Witches Are Coming, The Witches Are Coming by Lindy West. <gasps> what kind of a book? Is this fiction, nonfiction? What is this? Um, it is nonfiction. Um, Lindy West is a feminist writer and she is brilliant. And my girlfriend actually took me to a live reading of this last November when you could do stuff like that. And I got her, I got 
find my book and I was totally nerding out and like just like fangirling all over her and so she probably thinks I'm a big nerd but <laughs> she loves it okay that is great I am putting that on my list I love to read um what's your drink of choice can be alcoholic can be not um I would have to say currently my husband is making an amaretto sour with some local amaretto that is just pretty spectacular and he like squeezes the lemons by hand and it's yeah Damn. amazing what a what a guy first of all <laughs> good I'm one for other reasons as well <laughs> um do you have a favorite podcast you're listening to right now oh yes i do um stuff you should know because some of the episodes are shorter so i can like do a small load of dishes and like learn about the moon <laughs> <laughs> i love that um, one it's kind um, of classic. It is kind of classic. I feel like it's not the most unique answer, but at the same time, it's just so good. Always so good. No, and um, you know what? It's good to have options. And this is why I love podcasts though, is because whatever you're feeling like, you can go find that content, right? So it's it's good to have different options because you know, if I'm in the mood to really like get into my self-development, then I have certain podcasts I like. If I just want to like hear people chat and have fun, I have different ones, you know? So it's good to have good to have some different ones on your roster. I do. I'm going to actually have to do another shout out though, because Sparkle Stories for kids, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. No. We love it you can do a subscription or you can just do like what drops on their podcast weekly sparkle stories are amazing they're age appropriate and they're really really cute stories for kids of all ages <gasps> do you think leo would be into it or is he too small oh i think we got my son into it when he was really little like if you actually look at the site they have some like one or yeah like one to five they definitely have a preschooler okay. category Awesome. I love that tip. Thank you. Um, what's your favorite TV show or movie? I'm going to go with what I'm super into right now. I just found New Girl and I was like, hey, this is a cool show. And <laughs> then I Googled it and it started in 2012. So <laughs> That's okay. You know what though? You have to right now go back to some of the vintage shows because there's not a lot of new stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's perfect timing. You're right. You're right on trend. Okay. <laughs> it's a great show. It's really funny. Um, what's a favorite place you've traveled? Oh, I'm going to have to say Tuscany. I love Italy. I love it so much. Oh, you know, you say the word and I'm like, sun, pasta, and a nice wine in my hand. Like it's, you know, I can oh, just, just see it. <laughs> and food everywhere. Not even just like at the great restaurants. We stayed at a hostel in Rome with, a kitchen and so we just bought everything at the grocery store like everything at the grocery store was so good just oh, quality yeah. I know you go to like a corner store and they have delicious bread and cheese and like what else <laughs> <laughs> okay if you could jump on a plane tomorrow where would you go Marrakesh I have never been and I really really want to go awesome the, the just the color explosion looks amazing there I haven't been but looks beautiful yeah okay so final question before we let you go something I'm very passionate about is confidence so that's something you'll hear me talk about a lot and for me why I'm so passionate about it is because confidence is really what makes you start <laughs> like it's what gets you out there maybe is you know gets you to 
do things that you might be a little fear, fearful of, but you do it anyway. So I'd love to hear from you. What does confidence mean to you? Ooh, I think it is confidence is trusting in your own experience and then honoring it, like really seeing how you feel about something and moving forward with that intention. Yes, I love it. It is, it is really a, the hugest part of it is the trust and learning to trust yourself. I'm with you on that. Beautiful. Yeah. So thank you so much again, Jill. Um, everyone, make sure you go follow Jill. I think shout out your Instagram. What's your Instagram? Acupuncture. Perfect. And we'll link it in the show notes. Make sure you follow along and go see Jill at Acupoint Wellness downtown. She's fabulous. If you're in the Vancouver area, and thank you so much again, Jill, for coming on the show. This was a lovely chat. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. My pleasure. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Cool Mom 101 with Emily Kylo. If you liked our podcast, please be sure to leave a comment or review and be sure to tune in next time.